0: This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson.
1: We welcome you to this edition of Real Talk on this Tuesday. It's going to be a short week. You feeling good about a short week? Technical producer John. Oh, I Hicks? love a short week. I Nothing love better. a short week, pal. <laughs> and by this time, one week from today, one week from now, we're going to know who will serve as Alberta's next premier. Yeah. Uh, we're going to know who's going to form government for the next four years or so. We expect, of course, this is the final kind of pedal to the metal crunch time. Uh, at the Alberta election looms. And we've got you covered right here on Real Talk and absolutely banging week to come. The next five episodes, you're not going to want to miss. Uh, no, what am I? T- look at this. I'm already trapped in the short week. Miss, I- I'm already forgetting it's Tuesday. What a pleasant <laughs> surprise. Just moments ago. over the next four episodes. Count of four episodes. We've got you covered with uh, some of the analysis that maybe some of you need. Maybe some of you. I'm sure that some of you are still making up your mind how you're going to vote, though I don't know. Nobody that I'm talking to, nobody in my neck of the woods is still making up their minds how they're going to vote. And not everybody's voting the same way, but I can't imagine being an undecided at this point. But if you are, it's cool. We've got you covered, including coming up on Friday. Uh, Friday, we're going to get you all set. We're going to take a run through the UCP and the NDP election platforms. And we're going to find a fit for you based on your priorities based on your inclinations and what politicians should bring to the table when they're campaigning for your vote. Of course, last week it was the televised debate, and we got into that with a couple of different roundtables, including the strategists on Friday. Wildly entertaining, if you didn't check that out. Charles Adler coming up in just a second with his take, not just on who won the debate, on what he's expecting to see over these next six days, leading up to Election Day. That's Monday, of course, May 29th. Advance polls open today, by the way, and if it holds true, the trend that is, based on last election, 2019, about a quarter of all votes cast in that election in Alberta's most recent provincial election were cast in advance. So that means a whole bunch of you are going to be voting this week, that's significant as well. Of course, the the advanced polls uh, kind of a, a way for some people to just get voting out of the way to just get it done to make sure that they do their part. But I know that a lot of you are going to wait till next Monday because there's that kind of buzz, isn't there? There's that kind of excitement. There's nothing quite like Election Day at least if you're nerds and geeks like us this episode of real talk is presented by our friends at danatech you know for more than 30 years danatech's been a leader in the safety training space and today they're proud to count themselves among the foremost providers of online safety courses Danatech blends deep cross-industry expertise with proprietary learning management system technology. You oftentimes hear about that called LMS, that's Learning Management System Tech. It makes their courses stand out in the industry while creating an easy, seamless training experience for training managers and learners alike. If you're looking for safety training done right, look no further than Danatech.com. Well, for more than 30 years, Charles Adler has been pumping out award-winning and sometimes fire-breathing takes on issues that matter to Canadians. He is known as the purveyor, the provider of Canadian common sense. And every Monday, but Tuesdays following a long weekend, we're thrilled to call him ours right here on Real Talk. It's awesome to see you again, my man. How was your long weekend?
2: My, my long weekend was was great. Uh, there was a time when I called it the Victoria Day weekend, but Justin Trudeau has erased history. Oh yes. So yes. I just call it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday.
1: I know we used That's to. What I
2: had. I didn't have a Victoria. I didn't have a Vicky weekend. That Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I had a four day. Non-Vicky Weekend is what Fucking I Trudeau, man I'll tell you I
1: feel like I feel Stole like, my history uh, I used to have a good sense Of yeah. Canadian history And I, I used There was this guy I think on one leg Almost He ran across The entire country um, And I seem to remember He had like Inspired a bunch of people And raised a bunch of money But then Then the Canadian This fucking Trudeau And the Canadian government Released these new yeah. passports And now I can't even remember The bloke's name uh, I, it's, It really is unfortunate Charles
2: Well, um, as you know, uh, Ryan, uh, we used to read the Lord's Prayer in school when we were kids. We no longer read the Lord's Prayer. There's no doubt that Trudeau had a hand in that. He hasn't just stolen history. He has stolen Christ.
1: (laughs) Okay. You're taking it to the next level. You know, somebody (laughs) is going to print that on a flag.
2: Well, (laughs) taking it to the, okay, just so everyone understands, because I know we've got a lot of fundamentalists and literalists and all that kind of stop going on the island i'm trying to respect everyone I'm trying to be inclusive here okay. the reason i take things to the next level of absurdity is to point out the absurdity of what i'm talking about so it's absurd to think that justin trudeau has stolen history so of course i'm going to take it to the next level and say oh not only has he stolen history he has stolen christianity yeah that may make people understand i'm not sure it'll cover everyone but i think it'll make many more people understand just how stupid it is. And when people say things like the man has stolen history because some pages in the passport that nobody ever read no longer contain our icons, that means that Justin Trudeau was was trying to attack Terry Fox, was is, is trying to attack the memory of veterans and all the rest of it. The, the, the point is that stuff is so stupid that if you do buy into it and if you've got friends buying into it, it's called being a sucker. You're being suckered. And to me, it's a much better thing to do to just respond with, that's just crazy, as opposed to, yeah, yeah. This isn't about whether you like Trudeau or don't like Trudeau. But just think for a moment. If you actually think that a prime minister sits there and tries to micromanage the past in order to cripple the future, what was... Isn't that what Poliev said? Well, there was that like he's... a
1: five minute Twitter video that the that yeah. Pierre Poliev, leader of the official opposition, released that, that was a set yeah, essentially implying that the new passport design in Canada is Justin Trudeau's attempt to erase Canadian history by 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 changing up the graphic design of it, which I, I would imagine that between uh leading the country and parenting his children, Trudeau probably did stay
2: up late one night personally <laughs> redesigning the new Canadian passport for sure. But, but the but the end game that Poliev had wasn't a about history. The end game was about the future. He said something like, and I don't have the exact quote here, and I don't give a rat's rear end because all of those quotes are meant for seven-year-olds or people with the intelligence of seven-year-olds, you know, paranoids, people who read the National Post today and think, oh my God, if I was born with an XY chromosome, it's over. If I was born a man, I'm born a loser. That's that's today's uh, conservative message in the National Post. But the, the thing that Polyev was saying was, that he has changed, he has erased the past in order to contaminate the future. So this is, as I, as I say, to keep the base as paranoid as possible. And by the way, Ryan, the only reason I'm talking about this is because it is succeeding. There is an expanded number of Canadians who are now paranoid. I don't know whether whether it's because they're listening to Polly or because so many people are listening to and passing on the word. I mean, it's like one of these multi-level market schemes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, get, you get 100 people in the room, you get them revved up, then they go home and, and fleece all their relatives and and that's actually that's actually happening yeah so I mean I, I on the one hand I've got to give the guy credit for this but on the other hand I'm just asking Canadians I'm just trying to grab them by the by the scruff of the neck and and, and shake them up a little bit and say I know that many of you are tired of Justin Trudeau But you ought to not take it out on yourselves. Mm. I was uh, standing in line at one of
1: Canada's favorite big box retailers, uh, the the one that's got the maple leaf and the word Canadian in the title. You know what I'm saying, Chuck, yesterday? Thank (laughs) God it was one of the locations. They they didn't have a a big extreme far right wing protest happening in the parking lot while I was there. Just the typical hot dog, just the usual (laughs) hot dog vendor, which I was happy to see. But I was standing in line with among my fellow patient Canadians, Waiting to make a return, and uh, the return policy really is fabulous. I gotta say. And anyway, I turn around behind me, and the guy standing behind me is wearing a T-shirt that reads "We Are All Alex Jones." And I oh, thought no. for a oh, for, no. for, for, for a split second, I thought, eh, and then I went, "Nah." So yeah, but but they are out there, Charles, and they do walk among us, and and it is good. I think that we put this in front of folks and 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 make sure that we have these conversations absolutely matter, like the design of the new Canadian passport. If you want my honest truth on this, my honest take on the Canadian passport, we haven't spent a lot of time on Real Talk uh, getting into it. As long as my passport gets me out of Canada, into the countries I want to visit, and then back into Canada when
2: I'm done, I'm cool with it. It's a fucking bus ticket. (laughs) I mean, mean, seriously, I mean, I'm not trying to diminish Canada, Vimy, Terry Fox, it's a bus ticket. That's what it is. Who stares at the bus ticket and wonders what happened to my past? Where's my future?
1: Literally, if you would have asked 95% of Canadians, if you would have stopped them on the street and not given them a chance to look at their passport and said, who is featured on the passport? Talk to us about the graphic design and the images on the passport. Literally 95% of Canadians. I'm going to say 99% of Canadians wouldn't have been able to
2: come up with even one. The only thing that I don't like about passports has nothing to do with passport design. It's this rule that you're not allowed to smile. Yeah, it is kind of weird, eh? Hey? And this is this is not Trudeau. Okay, this happened way before. You know, Trudeau was in diapers or whatever. When there's nothing to do with Trudeau, so this is me slamming Trudeau. But, but Ryan, can you explain to me why that you know when they take your passport photo, you know, they they tell you that you you're not allowed to smile. What what is? I mean, is there's is there some security aspect well, there? if do, you want to know the truth... the um, plane hijackers smile? To, wait a second, I, I get it. Well, I don't know, I, I know. Help me with this. I, it I'm will,
1: well, God bless Google, which is letting me know right now that smiling can actually make it harder for facial recognition software. Uh, and also in person, they say port of entry officials to confirm your identity, especially if you show your teeth. Currently, only the United States allows smiling on passport photos, however, the subject's teeth can only be slightly visible. I will say uh, our seven-year-old's passport is hilarious. The photo was taken when he was like five, and he looks like he's trying to kick another kid's ass. You should see, like, <laughs> not only is he not smiling, but he's like stone-faced. When I saw the photo, I was like, a boy, kiddo. That's his yeah. hockey face-off photo, you know? I don't have it handier. I'd show you.
2: I, I like Canadians looking happy. <laughs> So I'm hoping this is encouraging. I don't care where you're listening to this in the world, whether you're Canadian or not. If you can come up with some kind of software to ensure that even smiling Canucks like us are not a national security or an international security threat, I'd really appreciate it. I think it would do something for the morale of the nation. If we could allow Canadians to smile a little more. Yeah, I like this proposal. Now, people would
1: never believe this, but you and I did not strategize ahead of time to wax no, on
2: passports no, for 15 do. minutes off the top No, we're of the not joke. Stephen That's Carter and Zane Belgium. <laughs> That's not well, what we do. We don't strategize ahead of time. No, There's we a, don't. Nothing we, spontaneous about that show. I don't know why anyone sponsors the show. No, I nobody don't know does. Why they give nobody me does. Bucks. That's the point. Yeah, they it's, do it's, have... fakes, it's fake strategy. <laughs> Bunch of losers, bunch of fakes. Bunch, oh, my, my tongue is yes. in, My tongue is in my cheek. Reason my tongue is in my cheek is because our friend Stephen Carter, every time he comes on with Ryan, who is one of my saviors. There's my dad and Ryan. I'll get into that another time, or maybe later today if we have time. But the, the thing is, Stephen Carter is always ragging on Ryan, always ragging on him. And I thought I would take this opportunity to, you know, give him the. My smiling finger.
1: Oh, I sure appreciate that, Chuck. Uh, by the way, Mindy's letting us know in the live chat that now on the Canadian Passport, you got to show your ears, too. Uh, I, <laughs> I guess people have to put their hair I up can't now. I can my headphones. I didn't I know.
2: My, oh, yep. that's another stupid rule. Why can't I wear my headphones? I mean, people see me in these all the time. I wear these 24-7. I'm Charles freaking Adler. On. I'm
1: Charles freaking Adler. Uh, Justin,
2: we did, Trudeau is, Justin Trudeau is speaking to me in these things. <laughs>
1: yeah, George Soros in the them. other ear, right? George, uh,
2: George Soros.
1: Yeah. Hey, we did have a lot of fun with. Steve. We didn't get to talk to Zane Velge on Friday because he's 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 working he's uh, working Notley's campaign right now, obviously. But but Carter and Corey Hogan and Annalise Klingbeil joined me on Friday for a hilarious and and actually really insightful look at at the uh, election debate Rachel Notley versus Danielle Smith. And I think it's a split audience. If you ask people who won that debate, I don't have to ask if you were watching it because I know you were. Uh, what's your assessment of it a few days later? Did you think? I mean, here's the biggest question. Did it move the needle on voter intention? Will it impact the outcome of the election?
2: No, I, I don't. I don't think it moved the needle at all. But I was disappointed in the person I'm supporting. And now that you've told me that Zane Belge is is running this show, I'm just going to attack Zane. Bel- Zane, <laughs> where, where did Zane? Where did you get the idea that it would not be a good idea for Rachel Notley to look Danielle Smith in the eye and say? There you go again, you serial liar. You lie frequently, you lie casually, and it's the thing that makes you buzz the most. You love lying. You lie every 30 seconds, and I'm being generous. I'm not even counting the lies that are simply things that you say that are completely out of context. Out and out lie. You lie about the power bills that will be coming to this province in a notly regime. You talk about uh, net zero as if it's something that is going to cost us billions and billions of dollars every day. You lie about the jobs lost. There was a net gain of 40,000 jobs under my administration. You can't stop lying. And I think it's time for Albertans to hire someone who is comfortable with the truth. Now, I'm not suggesting that Rachel Notley has my personality and that she could say it precisely that way. But at some point, I was hoping in the debate that she would confront Danielle Smith with Danielle Smith's fundamental problem. She's a pathological, serial liar.
1: Is that limited to Danielle? I'm not giving her a pass. Or is this just like a huge problem in politics? Because it's not just the Alberta election debate we're after. I mean, I should show you all the DMs. We, we honestly had political commentators lining up to join us, yeah. which I'm super grateful for, to join, join us on Real Talk this week saying, hey, we'll do a fact check. Like, we'd love to go through some of the numbers. We'd love to take that on. We'd love to circle back. We're going to be doing that on Friday to a certain degree because, you know, the people deserve it, Charles, but that's kind of the way that politics are these days. People play fast and loose with the facts, and these debates move so fast that if a candidate really is fighting for those sound bites, like we talked about last Thursday on the show, then they almost don't have time to circle back and fact-check their opponents. It, it, I don't know. It's one of the great tragedies
2: uh, but, but, of debates but, but these but days. Rachel Notley is in the room with her while she's lying about Rachel Notley's record unemployment. Rachel Notley's in the room with her when she's lying about what would happen to power. I'm talking about I'm talking about power bills specifically. Uh, Rachel Notley's in the room with her when Danielle Smith is doing that smiley bingo caller, right? Kind of like the, the smiling Fox News person. Uh, that that's what she was coming across as. Except uh, except the, all of the Fox News people are blonde. But put that aside. Uh, she she's doing that happy talk routine about how surgical wait times, okay, something that actually matters. Surgical wait times under Danielle Smith's administration have been dropping, and 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 time spent in the emergency last night in 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 Red Deer. I checked this. I do a little bit of show prep before I come on. Okay, made a phone call in Red Deer emergencies. We're at 15 hours, okay? So if you take your kid into the Emerge in Red Deer, you're literally waiting for 15 hours. So how dare this serial liar uh, look Albertans in the eye and say, wait times in the Emerge going down. I, I realize that everybody tells fibs and, and whoppers and, and trims a little bit. I, I get that. There's spin. But Daniel Smith lies at Trumpian levels, okay? Yes, all the American politicians lie. But nobody lies as easily and casually and frequently as Donald Trump. And Danielle Smith is now the Donald Trump of Alberta. And here's my, my problem with this nationally. If this works for her, it will encourage more and more politicians to lie and the ones who don't lie casually and easily and frequently are the ones who will be perceived as losers.
1: Yeah, it's Exactly. It's the nice guys finish last thing and it's happening in politics, right? I mean, Plain Power here says, you know, the moderators should have called out the lies. They got to be a referee, not some sort of midnight TV sales spot. I will say, having been in that position before, it's impossible to host a debate and act as fact no. checker. But if some of the best primetime sports shows can have fact checkers on their rosters, I think that a lot of the debates should as well. There was an interesting exchange back and forth and uh this was one i wanted to put in front of you uh chuck this is a scene from the uh leaders televised debate this went down of course last thursday i
3: know you're
4: keen on fighting you want to fight with ottawa you want to fight with the media you want to fight frankly with your former self um it's actually quite exhausting here's what i need albertans to know i will always stand up for alberta I will always stand up for the interests of Albertans. I did that when I was Premier. I made sure we got a pipeline to Tidewater, the first one in 50 years. I did that standing up against the B.C. government. I did it standing up with a, with a uh, federal government, and that's my record, and that will also be my blueprint. So, uh, Ms. Smith's... Um uh, you know, I, I, just, I just have to say I disagree with so much
1: of what you had to say there. One last word to Smith on this topic.
4: Well, Ms. Notley didn't stand up when Justin Trudeau cancelled Northern Gateway. She didn't stand up when Energy East pulled the plug. She didn't stand up when they brought in a tanker ban off the West Coast for our product and she didn't stand up when the No More Pipelines bill was passed. Well, she will not stand up for fact, in, in fact, Danielle, in you, fact you know... actually know that's not true. You commented on the fact that I made submissions to the Senate. You know that that's what I did on both
3: of those
0: issues. It was too
4: late to, and I it must tell you where do you think justin trudeau got the idea for just transition and for an emissions cap and for a carbon tax he got it from Ms. notley when she was premier and she's going to continue to implement these same kind of policies and she's going to walk in lockstep with justin trudeau on making sure that they get implemented and that's only going to harm our economy
1: so there you go i mean the justin trudeau
2: jagmeet singh thing again Ryan, Chuck, right? every, every, everything da- danielle smith just said everything that, that but the carbon, the carbon tax originated with justin trudeau the carbon tax originated with conservative think tanks. That's where the carbon tax originated, and I could go. I could go into the litany of all the rest there. Every, literally everything Danielle Smith said was horseshit. Everything.
1: I think most Albertans know that conservatives were the first ones to put a price on carbon provincially as well. But but I don't know. And sometimes I I, I do recognize the importance of these reminders that we have on the show because obviously facts do matter. Chuck, we're six days out from this election. What are you expecting to see? You've got to be—I would say—for—for for, you're an honorary Albertan, uh, to say the least. You don't currently have an Alberta address as home, but would you say you're probably watching the Alberta election more closely than any? Yeah. So to I don't even like calling you a non-Albertan, but you know what I'm saying. Someone an residing, call
2: me an expat. An expat an, expat,
1: an expat. Yeah, you know what? What yeah. are you keeping an eye on? What are the storylines over the next six days?
2: The major story here, going back to what we were talking about just a few moments ago, is if someone can get away with this amount of lying, what is the impact on other politicians in Canada and people who want to go into politics in Canada? Will this encourage people who are serial deceivers getting into politics? Because once again, they will be seen as the winners. In other words... The election, you know, may, if, if, if Daniel Smith wins, whether it's a narrow victory or a broader victory, but if the Daniel Smith UCP win, it will have a huge impact on politics in this country, just as the Trump victory in 2016 had a huge impact on politics in the United States. And it'll also have an impact on media. Media that wants to tell the truth and media pundits who want to tell the truth, media pundits who want to do fact checking, will be seen as the media pundits of yesterday, right? The the bingo the bingo callers who who throw softball questions at the Danielle Smiths, just like the bingo callers who for years threw softballs at Donald Trump, they got bigger ratings, and you'll you'll have more and more pundits attacking people like you and me and Stephen Carter and others. We're the bad guys. We're the bad guys for challenging the liars. That's the reason, I mean, outside of the fact that a great piece of real estate in my heart is owned by Albertans because Albertans gave me the best breaks ever. So that's one of the reasons why sentimentally I'm but from an intellectual perspective going forward, that's what interests me the most. Alberta is a is, is, a, is a canary in the coal mine right now. And if the canary dies next week, A great big piece of Canada dies. And no, this isn't another one of these ridiculous attacks on Justin Trudeau. And I'm not trying to attack the people of Alberta. I'm asking people to pay attention. And specifically, I am pleading with people under the age of 50 to please vote. Because if everyone under the age of 50 voted in the same percentages that people over 50 vote, Danielle Smith would become just another politician on the ash heap of history.
1: What's one way, uh, before we thank you for your time, Chuck, you you talk about how a a UCP win will change the political landscape in Canada. And and I think that you're right and I do think that it'll happen in a number of different ways what's one way that you'd really be be sort of like forecasting or keeping an eye on one way in particular obviously it, would, it, it, it gives a mandate to Smith uh, on the things that she does campaign on and a perceived mandate on the things that she's not campaigned on right like an Alberta pension plan that's one example uh, you know maybe an Alberta police force that's probably another example we'll see what the Sovereignty Act implications might be the warring with ottawa the saber rattling the invoking trudeau Singh, notley alliance kind of idea uh you know she sort of takes this as a mandate to go right at the prime minister right at the federal liberals uh but but what would you see like what would be one way that you think it would really transform or change politics across the country
2: well i think culturally more and more politicians like danielle smith will just kind of give the wink wink uh to the hate preachers and to the take-back Alberta types, uh, to the people who want to change the textbooks in schools, remove books, burn books, I think that's become a larger and larger issue in Alberta and a larger and larger issue in Canada. Everyone is now going after the transgender people. Uh, They are now the coal mine in the new kind of bigotry, the new kind of hatred, and I'd even say the the new kind of fascism. Let me just tell you something. As someone who has, has descended from people who got stigmatized, and obliterated, okay? All people in situations like this, in this case it's the transgenders, they become the canary in the coal mine. People want to jump on this anti-transgender bandwagon, at some point they're coming for you. We know about the 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 piece of prose from from years ago, you know, first they came for the Jews and all of that. I don't want to repeat the entire piece. You can just you can just google it. The point is that pastor, and he was a Christian pastor, at some point when they came for him, at some point they figured out that the bad guys want to come for everyone. So I think that's a huge impact uh, here. I think that this will give the green light to more and more bigots uh, to go after transgender people and other people. That's where we're going in this country. For years we've said it's only happening in the States. For years people like me said if it's happening in America— it'll happen in Canada within five to 10 years. I'm not trying to fear monger. I love the people of Alberta. I love the people of Canada. I'm simply trying to encourage you to look at the big picture here. It is not healthy for Alberta democracy. It is not healthy for any democracy to have the, the current trend the current trend become the reality. Pardon me if, if I'm a, a little bit stammerish today. I'm, I'm being stammerish today because it is so difficult for me to bring these words from my heart to the microphone. I hate, hate having to talk about this. Uh,
1: your stammerish is everybody else's stoic, Chuck, so I wouldn't sweat it one bit. Let me ask you in closing, you think Notley can pull it off? Some of the, some of the polling shows that it's a lot tighter than people are assuming. So, I mean, you know, I don't know. Uh, Read polls at your own peril. Believe them at your own peril, I should say. But But how do you think this thing actually plays out?
2: I think we will have a larger turnout of people under 50 than we've had before. I think, uh, I think they will get the message. And I think there is a chance that, uh, Notley puts the ball over the line. If she doesn't, it'll be a very, very tight minority. It'll be very difficult for, for Danielle Smith to govern. It'll be very difficult for her to stay on as leader. But the, the, the point is, and this has to be stressed over and over again, Tell everyone you know, under the age of 50, to vote, vote, vote. Voting is the only way to save democracy. And democracy is on the ballot next week. As a matter of fact, let's just point out, advanced polling begins today. Democracy is on the ballot right now in the beautiful province of Alberta.
1: Love it Chuck Charles Adler you can catch him here the first episode of every single week and the good news if you love this guy as much as we do you can get even more Adler through the week check out his twitter at Charles Adler for details on that our heartfelt congratulations it's great to see so many people want to hear more and more of your takes Chuck we'll talk to you again on election day that'll be Monday May 29th right here on Real Talk thank you all right, my man. Coming up in just a second, we're going to check in with uh, Michael Solberg and Leah Ward. We'll get two different takes on how this campaign is looking from for the NDP, for the UCP over this final week. I saw somebody here on our live chat. Man, the live chat is just humming this morning. It's awesome to see you all out on this Tuesday. Uh, one of you, I think it was Tracy, said, who was it on Twitter that, like, that fact-checked that entire Alberta election debate? Found like 32 lies in just one hour. Uh, you're looking for Andrew Friesen. Uh, if you haven't seen this thread, it's a pretty impressive one. Uh, the Twitter account is at Friesen underscore F. At Friesen underscore F. That's Andrew Friesen, uh, who goes through and fact checks a whole bunch of the statements, in particular Danielle Smith's statements, through that televised debate that was on last Thursday. It's, it's a great thread, and I recommend you take the time to check it out. You know, I can't even say the word Friesen. I keep saying Friesen, and it just reminds me that. Our friends at Freezing Brothers want you to know that their garden center is now open. And one of the coolest things about Friesen Brothers, you know, there's the big, like, national grocery chains, and they figure that, you know, what's good for the folks in Thunder Bay is is good for the folks in Three Hills, and that's just not always the way that it works out, right? Of Friesen Brothers, more than half the plants they sell at their garden centers are actually grown right here in Alberta, so that means they're perfectly suited for Alberta weather. Even the potting soil is made right here in Alberta. You can check out more information on their website. That's Friesen.com, F-R-E-S-O-N. Plus, Barbie season begins and they've just introduced their very own salad dressing. Johnny, this is perfect for hippies like you and me. (laughs) Hey, we're just a couple of rabbits over here crushing salads. They've got their four new flavors, sesame citrus, sun-dried tomato, avocado, and lime and classic Caesar. You can find more information on their website. Their Friesen Brothers barbecue sauce. Absolutely killer as well. Our friends at Apex Automation these is, I mean, these are folks that walk the walk, right? You, any company could talk the talk, trying to convince you to come work for them. But here's the deal. When they say they put people over profits, they mean it. And recently, some of their team members told them that they were hoping to pursue personal opportunities down in the Lone Star State. So what did the team at Apex Automation do? They just opened their first field office in Houston. They wanted to keep the teammates. Because they're such valuable contributors to what they're doing at Apex Automation. So they opened a field office to keep them on board. How cool is that? Apex is currently hiring right now. They hire electrical engineers, instrumentation engineers, computer science engineers, process engineers, mechanical engineers, electricians, and instrument technicians. Chances are... There's a home for you at Apex, including recent graduates from engineering schools across the country. You can learn more about what life looks like as an Apex team member at apexautomation.ca. Man. This week is looking absolutely beautiful forecast-wise across Western Canada. What a perfect time to check out some of the summer feature blizzards at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. That includes some of the returning favorites like the Cotton Candy Blizzard Treat, the Caramel Fudge Cheesecake Blizzard Treat is one that everybody's talking about, but my personal recommendation for you this week at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount and Baseline Road is the Reese's Caramel Pretzel Blizzard Treat. This one will absolutely blow your mind. Johnny, I say this with first-hand experience. Oh, I know. You're going to want to crush this Blizzard before you crush your signature stack burger from a Dairy Queen at Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. And finally, this summer, can we finally take our garage design, our garage layout more seriously? You know, it's such. there's so much potential in our garages, but, but what do we do? We just throw a bunch of stuff in there. It's hard to find. It's difficult to navigate. And, and it's so disorganized that both of our vehicles, in some circumstances, for the big family, they're sitting outside. We're misusing the space. The team at California Closets would love to chat with you. You can request your free consultation today at California californiaclosets.ca yeah sure you know them for transforming interior living spaces what they do in living rooms and bedrooms and grand rooms will blow your mind but the california closets garage storage solutions are second to none you can check out what they're doing for workspaces across the province right now by visiting californiaclosets.ca Well, we want to get, of course, different perspectives on issues that matter most. I mean, otherwise, what's the point of a talk show, right? And these next two guests, well, they know a thing or two about politics across the country at provincial and federal levels with six days to go until election day right here in Alberta it's a real pleasure to welcome Michael Solberg and Leah Ward to the show. Michael Solberg is a former uh, staffer for Prime Minister Stephen Harper. He's a partner at New West Public Affairs Leah Ward is a was a senior advisor to Rachel Notley during her term as premier, also serving as director of comms to both Notley and the NDP caucus. She now vice president at wellington advocacy a wonderful morning to the both of you i hope that you had a great may long weekend uh michael what's one of the storylines that you're keeping an eye on 6 days out from the election we can find a whole bunch of different polling numbers we can find a whole bunch of different areas to place our focus what's something that's grabbing yours
3: Yeah, sure, sure, Ryan. Well, first off, thanks for having me. Always happy to be on the show, Uh, especially to be joined by my pal, my pal Leah with six days out. Um, The story for me is just to see what trickle of support and what momentum we might have seen shift as a result of the leaders debate. Uh, I think it will take some time to ultimately see that effect in polling. And I'm expecting that polling to come out this week. Uh, There's six days left. There's not much time to affect the trajectory anymore, and frankly, I think the major opportunities to do that have already come to pass. So I'll be interested to see what kind of foothold both of these parties will attempt to have uh, in the final six days and how ultimately they'll try and mobilize their support, because it will ultimately come down to who can do that best. Get your people out to the polls. So we'll see uh, what tactics are up these leaders' sleeves with, with so little time left.
1: Leah, it's always awesome to have someone with with Comms Director experience on the show and and I'm grateful to have you here with us this morning. How how do how do these parties approach the debates? Like the cynic would say, nobody changes their mind. The debate doesn't actually change anybody's mind. Do you have evidence or lived experience to suggest otherwise?
4: Yeah, well, there's the classic example of 2015 a lot of people like to point to with but you know the Notley versus versus Prentice. Um, so you know, I think I think there was a lot of hype about uh, this elections debate and whether or not it would be the thing that that moved those undecideds. Um, I you know I don't like to put that much pressure on one single moment when you're thinking about communications over the period of an entire 28 day campaign. Um, that's just one uh, that's one opportunity. Um, so if if you're putting all your eggs in that basket, it's uh, it's not the strongest foot forward. Um, so I I like to think of things on. On a larger arc and and look for the debate as an opportunity to uh you know to continue hammering home your message in contrast to your opponent but not as necessarily as the clincher moment because moments like 2015 really don't come uh, come along uh all that often we shouldn't we shouldn't it's not a good strategy to count on them
1: adler uh just talking to charles uh sort of felt like Rachel Notley didn't push back hard enough on on Danielle Smithley. Did did you feel the same way if you had been advising her through that debate prep or even doing the post mortem after? What might have you said? Uh,
4: you know that one's a tricky one. I feel like it's a lose lose. People, if you if she had pushed harder, people probably would have criticized her for going too negative. Um, and if you know, and obviously people uh, who who see her as having not pushed hard enough are are, are saying that that. That's something they would have liked to see. I think she hit a really good middle ground. Her job there was to offer uh, a vision to, particularly those undecided voters that that helps them see the NDP as the as the right choice uh, in in this exact moment. Um, and and you know she it's not like she let Danielle off the hook. She you know she called her out on on lies. I think you were saying before we came on there were thirty two in total. It would have been pretty uh, hard for her to, to to capture every single one of those. Um, that would have uh, not allowed her to to put any of her own ideas forward so all in all i think it was probably a good balance and i and i'm i'm sure uh there's there's no way of winning that uh ultimately
1: michael what what part of town you're in calgary right now talking to us yeah what what part of town are you in i'm in the southeast so in mckenzie town. town nice my old stomping grounds buddy so so i actually i don't even have to ask you what you see out your window because i was just down there last week and it's it's a sea of blue lawn signs down there right now isn't it you bet, yeah. A lot of Rick McIver signs. No surprises there. Yeah, got the incumbent, uh, former, you know, Calgary alderman, counselor, yeah. obviously, and 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 a relatively popular elected official in southeast yeah. Calgary. Southeast Calgary, kind of. Tends to just stay blue in the same way that Edmonton kind of tends to just stay orange. But but let's get a little nerdy into the city of Calgary and surrounding areas, Michael. What are what are some of the areas that you think might be in play? And and, and what are you noticing? Are you, are you seeing any sort of like orange stretches of lawn signs in in Cowtown?
3: Yeah, for sure. No no question. Uh, the NDP have significant support here, and they need to. Uh, and and the reason that they have quite a bit of support uh, is because of, I think, what has been a grueling four years uh, for the UCP. And frankly, if the NDP weren't showing significant signs of support in Calgary, this race would already be over. Uh, This is where the race will ultimately be decided. So you mentioned the Southeast, absolutely. The further south you go, the stronger uh, the UCP support. However, some of the most uh, uh, primary battlegrounds in the city are in the Southeast, and that includes Calgary Acadia, Tyler Chandra is the incumbent there. That is a must win for, frankly, both of these parties. Uh, And it's 100% uh, in play at present. Other ridings uh, that are in play and are must wins for, frankly, both of the parties include Calgary Glenmore, Whitney Isaac, the incumbent there. Calgary Edgemont, as we move further north. Uh, Prasad Panda, that is another must win. Frankly, all across the north are must win uh, seats for both well frankly for the NDP not necessarily for the UCP uh as a lot of those seats are already leaning towards the New Democrats but there's no shortage of ridings in the city uh, that absolutely must be won by the NDP in order for them to pull off this race.
1: Michael, uh, let me and- let me follow up on the on the Calgary Acadia on the on the Shandro riding sure. Cause this ethics commissioner report that came out last week I mean depending on who you talk to and I'd love for both of your takes on this um you know kind of the the, the pro-Chandro spin on it is that he pushed back. He pushed back on Premier Smith. Um, he did his best to preserve uh, the integrity of the way that the system is supposed to play out and to, and to keep politicians out of the judicial process. The the, the kind of like critical Chandro take would be that he didn't push back soon enough. He didn't report on it or he didn't report it until it was uh, revealed at which point he did, et cetera, et cetera. This is a... Uh, at one point, very popular UCP senior cabinet minister, uh, certainly embattled. I mean, everybody knows about the yelling on the driveway and, and all that other kind of stuff. Two tough ministries, health and justice. How do you think the people will rule on Tyler Shandro?
3: Yeah, no, no. Great question. Uh, I think Tyler's going to win <laughs> Calgary, Kid, Yeah. Uh, it's certainly close, but I think a lot of signs point to quite a bit of, a bit of momentum there. And yes, the Ethics uh, Commissioner conclusions were not kind to the Premier, but I do think they were very kind to Tyler Shandra. There are great headlines coming out uh, from that story, at least for Tyler. Uh, but that said, Ryan, I don't think that this is a vote mover. I don't think the Ethics Commissioner report is ultimately what will take down Daniel Smith. I don't see any evidence of that at present. This story has been reported on over and over again since January. Uh, and, and it finally, you know, is kind of cooked last week. You could argue it's continuing with Archer Poloski's, uh, uh, press conference that he intends to hold today, Jeez. but I don't think it's going to move votes very much. And if it is, I think it'll just buoy Tyler's support for pushing back on the powers that be.
1: Yeah. Leah, uh, we can talk about Pavlovsky in just a second, but let me ask you to comment on the Chandra situation
4: yeah it's uh like i would be the, the the first person to admit shock that in uh in a report like that tyler Chandra was the one who came out the best i mean as you mentioned this is uh, a top kenny um cabinet minister who is embroiled in scandal for years who uh who's going down spiraling downhill quite significantly during the pandemic and was blamed um along with kenny for for a lot of the the missteps during that time um been a little quiet for him i think since smith came in uh and and i would say it's sort of refreshing to see that you know uh even behind even if it was only behind closed doors that he did have uh some sense of right and wrong and and that came out in that call but the the revealing fact of of, of that report was that the you know then premier and now leader uh running to be premier again broke the law Um, and, and I don't, I think it's too soon to say whether or not that, uh, affects is going to affect vote intention. Um, you know, Mike's got a point. It could be the case that people were expecting it all along and have kind of, uh, numbed themselves to the idea, given that we've been hearing reports of it for, you know, like long before the the election actually started. Um, but it's, it's pretty damning to get a report like that mid election that says, uh, that your leader broke the law and um, and I think the the if you look at so you you mentioned earlier communications background if you look at the timing uh, the debate happened at six o'clock uh, which is typically when people might be catching up on the news um, and so I don't think that people's the way that folks digested the debate would necessarily take into account the news, uh, of, of the ethics commissioner's findings. And as we see, uh, reports, uh, continued media coverage, uh, sort of trickle out over the days since the debate, I think that there's more of a chance that that starts to actually penetrate and, and affect people's, uh,
1: uh, feelings about Danielle so uh, I, I'm sure that both of you could could kind of like see my like uh, when Michael reminded us that that Archer Pavlovsky's holding a press conference today because uh, quite frankly the less I talk about this guy the better but but he has kind of wound up as somewhat of a ish relevant player through this election campaign if, if we're being honest to remind people this is the guy uh that was facing charges relating to that border blockade in coots he was recently found guilty by the way and uh, this is the guy that had 11 minutes on the phone with danielle smith uh when she was premier i don't even know what this is on his twitter page but it's the first campaign poster that i've ever seen where someone's reminding everyone in the headline that they're unvaccinated he's asking that we rehire a non-jabbed archer Pavlov. i don't even know what this is leader of the solidarity movement of alberta obviously i'm having a little bit of fun with it both of you shaking your heads equally which says a lot uh, but michael based on your leanings and and your allegiances you've got a little bit more to lose here the more that this guy talks the bigger the nightmare for the ucp yeah Sure. I mean, you know, anytime Archer speaks, it's
3: it's a travesty for all of us. Uh, I think we all lose brain cells anytime that guy is behind a microphone. Uh, with that said, I think it was possible that a press conference like he's holding today could have impact if the ethics commissioner hadn't already released her findings. We have a former member of the Queen's bench, a former judge, and now the ethics commissioner, Marguerite Trussler, uh, who has released her conclusions that the phone call with Archer was inappropriate, but not... Uh, in contravention of the act, she had interviewed dozens and dozens and dozens of people. Her office investigated millions of emails to investigate what uh, outcomes uh, became of that phone call, and she was cleared on on not uh, intervening or pressuring crown prosecutors. And her call itself uh, was deemed to not be in contravention of the act. So, who are we going to believe here? Uh, like I said, a former judge, and member of the Queen's Bench. Or a crazy street pastor who's now been convicted of criminal charges. Yeah. I think the story's good. Who, who,
4: yeah, a hate preacher who, who gets the privilege of, of getting personal phone calls from the premier, right? So, yes, you're right. Those findings are out. Uh, but the more people are reminded that uh, Daniel Smith gives any time of day, to uh, to a man like Palowski, uh, convicted of of mischief for his involvement in Coots, uh, convicted for a number of. Uh, um violations under the under the health act uh and and well-known homophobe and racist um this is this is a guy that should you know she should never be talking to uh and the more voters are reminded that she gives this guy any uh, of her time um i think that's pretty damning and i think that that's that that is going to hurt yeah there's no way there's no way that that goes unscathed
1: i commented late last week on the show i was blown away Uh, you know something like blow you away and not surprise you at all. At the same time, uh, I was blown away to see Daniel Smith's senior advisor, Rob Anderson, jump to the defense of Kian Bexty, an independent journalist as well. Um, trying to somehow stack him up and compare them to uh, CBC reporter journalist Jason Markusoff, which is like, you want to talk about travesties. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but Michael, you're a guy that understands messaging. You're a guy that understands how to make things pal- not just palatable to the public, but attractive to the public. I mean, it, this is treading on thin ice. This is dangerous ground, isn't it? Like, I understand getting the grassroots together and, and whipping up support for an election. I get how that goes. And it can be effective to to a certain degree, but at some time, at some point, the chickens come home to roost, right? Like, is this a dangerous strategy for the Conservatives?
3: Well, I don't think it's part of the strategy, and I don't think it's being consumed by anybody that's that's not on Twitter. Uh, you know, so I'm not reading into, you know, the Twitter activities of Rob, and I think the NDP and others do so at their own peril. Nobody is on Twitter like the like us political hacks, uh, who have already well made up their minds and are well uh, firmly footed inside the dome and under the bubble. Sure, but, but no, it, it, it shows something,
1: right? It, it it shows how he feels about somebody like that. It shows how he's inclined to stand up and support somebody like that. I mean, can that? I do agree with you that the average person has no idea what we're talking about here, but that doesn't make it any less significant, does it? Well, oh, I mean,
3: he, <laughs> Rob's certainly a senior advisor, a member of the conservative coalition, uh, but he's not an elected official uh and uh, and has no intentions of being elected one again so i think we're focusing on the wrong, uh, the attention on the wrong
1: people here leah do you agree or disagree
4: oh. <laughs> I, I well i think it's uh yeah I I, I I don't like to focus my critique on staff uh because we elect uh politicians to to act on our behalf and they're the ones who should ultimately be responsible uh, um, so 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 that that's like a blanket statement there. I do. But he does put himself out there in defense of, of these two extremists, one uh, connected to white nationalists and then, of course, hate preacher Pawlowski. And so um, this is who Danielle Smith has chosen as her top advisor. I think it does speak to her judgment um, that that this is this is who she chooses to to, to seek counsel from. She even said in her call to Pawlowski that she needed to consult with Rob. Uh, before she could get back to him on on whatever promises she was making at that time, uh, so so it's it is relevant with the cautionary tale ar- around around uh, you know holding the right people accountable. And in this case, I'd say it's her and her judgment.
1: I uh, I totally I appreciate the point you're making about staffers. This guy just isn't any ordinary staffer though either. He's a former high profile Wildrose MLA. If you know Alberta politics, you know him. I guess Leah, like to 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 sort of create a hypothetical. Uh, would would it be similar to? I mean, if if you're you want to look at liabilities so this might be like a right-wing liability for the conservatives this might be under a under a premier rachel notley a senior advisor jumping to the defense of somebody who's like basically like, you know, sort of like far left, kind of like chaining themselves to trees and trying to like blow up oil wells and and sort of like this sort of eco-terrorist type vibe, right? I mean, isn't this kind of the same thing? I'm not suggesting that and Bextie or Artur Pavlovsky are trying to blow things up, but I'm just talking about liabilities for senior staffers jumping to the fence of people that are notorious in the public eye. I look at it and I go, man, oh man, that looks to me to be dangerous ground to tread, reputation-wise and otherwise.
4: Okay, I mean, it's it's uh, it's notable that you are using a hypothetical because we just don't—that's just not the case, right? We're just not seeing examples with equivalency, you know, on 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 Rachel Notley's side. Sure, I suppose in terms of liability, it could, you could, you could create hypotheticals that would be the same. I guarantee you, the right would be uh, lighting their hair on fire. uh, And, uh, and they'd be making the case that 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 any type of association like that would disqualify her uh, as a candidate for premier, and that she'd be held uh, or should be scrutinized heavily by the right in 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 sort of a very uh opposite way that we see the right behaving to towards the individuals that that we're discussing right now so I don't know I hate hypotheticals and there isn't an equivalency and I don't think uh both sidesing on this uh, does justice to the 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 type of um vitriol coming from from the characters uh that you know i just i i don't even want to repeat their names but Fair. um yeah I don't, I don't love the equivalencies liability sure let's talk about accountability
1: See, this is we have different roles to play: political commentators and strategists versus talk show hosts. These are very different boots in which we march. Hey, if we're going to be fair in Calgary, Acadia, we've mentioned Tyler Shandro's name several times. The NDP candidate there is nurse and educator Diana Batten, uh, so she's going to be running that campaign. Is running that campaign, obviously in Calgary, Acadia. Michael, what are the what are the issues that are going to sway voters in Calgary? Let's get specific into Calgary. What are some of the issues? Like you talk about the conservatives trying to sort of preserve that stronghold that they've had in that city. I mean, some of the great conservative leaders in Canada have come out of Calgary. What are the issues that are going to resonate with voters? What's specific to Calgary this election?
3: Yeah, sure. No, I think the election in Calgary will be decided on the economy, on how the parties promise to address things like inflation, like affordability, like the cost of living crisis that so many of us have been feeling for, for months and years now. And I think these are issues... Uh, that the UCP lead on, especially if you add into that bucket issues like addressing safety on public transit, uh, which has become a, a an epidemic in major cities across the country. I think the UCP have had the stronger message on that front as well. Uh, and also it comes down to, you know, what investments are they making? Or are these leaders uh, promising to make in Calgary's downtown revitalization and its infrastructure? I think the Calgary Arena deal, for example, was a major piece of public policy that the UCP put forward just before the rate dropped. And I think the UCP are leading on all of these issues. And I think that that's why the polls are showing leads for the UCP in Calgary. And I don't think the NDP did enough to change and sway the momentum uh, on debate night. They spent a long time and a lot of effort making this election about uh, accountability and trust and leadership. And instead, we're met with Daniel Smith on debate night, showing, po- showing poise, uh, calm, assertiveness, uh, a positive forward-looking vision and oozed competency. Uh, So I think that their strategy has been uh, backfiring on them for a couple of weeks now. And now they only have six days to pivot to broader issues, uh, which they failed to really speak about for the previous three weeks.
1: Leah, what do you think about what Michael's take is?
4: Well he's not wrong, Daniel Smith is a very good performer. She's a very good television personality and she performed well that night. It doesn't take away from the two decades of advocacy for privatizing for you know her belief in privatizing uh healthcare. Uh, it doesn't take away uh, the the um, instability she created with her sovereignty act. Who knows where that's going to pop up, up again? It doesn't take away from from voters' fears of what she's going to do with pensions after the election, which she really doesn't want to talk about during the election, and she certainly didn't mention that night while she was performing so well. So yeah, sure, she she is a great performer. I'll 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 I'll, I'll give them that that that's that's for sure. What um, one, one night doesn't erase decades of uh, of advocacy on issues that are antithetical to the belief systems of most Albertans. And I will say, if we want to talk, I love that you keep bringing up Calgary Acadia because uh, if we want to look at uh, long weekend activities, we saw Diana Batten and Rachel Notley pull a thousand people out to a rally in Calgary Acadia. not unremarkable. This is as as we've noted, uh, um, a weather vane riding um, a key, you know, Battleground Calgary, Battleground Calgary, Acadia, this is a really important part of the city. And 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 if you want to look at momentum, all signs indicate momentum moving in in the NDP's direction, despite what uh, what we might be seeing in polling, which, you know, for all intents and purposes is neck and neck.
1: Michael, I'm sure if you're like me, you're part of like all these political geek group chats and we all like chatter. Everybody thinks they're the expert. Everybody's got the inside scoop. Everybody's got the, you know, and everybody, I will say the one common thread is everybody's going this get out. The vote is going to be more significant maybe in this election than, than maybe I don't know. I mean, we're being dramatic here, maybe than any other in Alberta's history. But let's talk about get out the vote.
3: Yeah, sure. No, it's absolutely crucial in any election, but especially in ones that are this close. Uh, there's six, seven, eight ridings, perhaps more in Calgary, that I believe will be decided at 200 votes or less. Uh, that shows how important the get out the vote effort will be. Uh, this could come down to hundreds of votes across the city and deciding who forms the next government. Uh, and I think it's important to go and mobilize that support and make sure that they are going out to the polls on election day and i think this frankly is where the ndp have the advantage their vote is definitely more motivated than the ucp's uh the ucp need to do a lot to convince people i think who intend to vote for them to actually go out and do that uh, so I think that that's where this will be decided on is GoTV, It typically is, but it will. So more than ever in a race, that is going to be this close.
1: Michael, why do you, let me ask you a quick follow-up <laughs> before we go to Lee. I'll come to you in just two seconds. I promise. But Mike, why do you think it is Michael that, that the NDP's vote, uh, their base is more motivated? Is it that is it the conservatives taking it for granted? Assuming they've won, assuming that, you know, they're up two goals with two minutes left. What is it? No, I think the NDP and frankly past
3: Daniel Smith uh, hasn't done any favors to present day Daniel Smith as well. And some of the comments that she's made in the past, I think, have turned off some people who otherwise vote conservative. And the NDP have certainly smelled blood in the water on that and gone to great effort to try and court some of these reluctant UCP voters. But a reluctant UCP voter may not go and ultimately cast their ballot for Rachel Nolly, but they may not do the same for, for Daniel Smith either. And Daniel Smith needs them to. Uh, So I think that they need to go out and pull those people who are a little bit tired of what's been going on, but otherwise support the party and make sure they get to the polls. If they don't, uh, the NDP could uh, find their way to victory, uh, buoyed on that alone. Leah?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, The confounding factor in this campaign is really the the sort of stubborn, immovable chunk of undecided voters that keeps showing up in, in polling. And I think both parties will be... Uh, you know, taking their best run at that group of people in this final week. Um, but certainly to Mike's point, I agree. Probably uh, if, if, you know, if we see those voters stay home uh, rather than pick a side, um, advantage NDP. Uh, and, the, and, and there's a lot of, like I said, we're seeing hundreds and hundreds of people showing up at multiple rallies over the weekend. We're seeing a ton, the ground game for the NDP, thousands of volunteers showing up, millions of dollars being raised, sign locations uh, in, in, you know, across the province. Um, there's a lot of visible momentum um which uh, which again doesn't speak to what's gonna happen with that sort of stubborn chunk of undecideds, uh, but they seemingly are less motivated and that that could be really useful to the NDP team.
1: Does it blow either of your minds, Leah, you first that uh, and, and I'm not trying to sound like an asshole here, but like that there's still undecideds six days out. Uh, honestly, it, it, with an election, this, it feels contentious. it feels like I, I don't know, it blows my mind, Leah, you
4: yeah, it does. It does make me question whether or not they're truly are undecided um, or whether or not they're just unwilling to uh, articulate their voting uh, intention, um, because it, it, it is hard to imagine that this far out people haven't made up their minds.
1: Mike.
3: No, I'm not surprised at all. You know, keep in mind the NDP resoundly lost in twenty nineteen. Uh, They were not a popular government. They had a poor economic record and ultimately uh, came home to roost. They paid the Pied Piper and were ousted in 2019. Since then, the UCP have had their own gaffes and problems, namely with COVID, travel restrictions, all of these things. And now Daniel Smith and some of the past comments she's made have also been controversial. So I'll say neither of these parties have really lit the world on fire. And I don't think either of them have uh, a huge, passionate support base. So, no, it doesn't uh, surprise me that people remain undecided. Uh, You know, both both parties have had their own demons uh, and have had some of their own skeletons in their closets been brought out into the public forefront of the public policy discussion. So, no, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, But because it's close, I do still believe that there's gonna be exceptionally high voter turnout.
1: Uh, Always uh, a real pleasure, honestly, to chat with both of you. I respect your insights. I respect you as people, and I respect the fact that you can absolutely vehemently disagree with each other politically and still make a conversation (laughs) so enjoyable. That's uh, Michael Solberg, uh, a partner at New West Public Affairs, and Leah Ward, Vice President at Wellington Advocacy. Thanks to you both. Thanks so much, Ryan. Thanks for having us. You got it. You can let us know what you think uh, about what you heard from from Leah and Michael. Let us know what you think about what you heard from Charles. Talk at RyanJesperson.com. We're going to set aside some time intentionally this week uh, to get into our mailbag and not just for trash talk on Friday. Johnny, that's obviously where we ramp it up. Uh, that's the good to, stuff. To wrap up, that's like it's the, the meat. real it's it's like the flamethrower <laughs> stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh but if but we we've got some really uh you know common sense takes from real talk audience members, that's what we love about you. One of the things we love about you. And please don't hesitate to be in touch. Do you I, that's a good point from Leah Ward when she says she's not convinced 100% that the undecideds are undecided, no. but maybe just they're not going on the record right now. With how I think they're there's vote. a lot
3: of people right now because you know this is very tight this is you know highly contested stuff we're talking about here every day I, I think there's a lot of people kind of Holding their cards close to their chest on
1: yeah, this, yeah, yeah. we're going to see. And and it's always like this is kind of part of the fun. I mean, the stakes are huge, mm-hmm. and people that, that have no stomach for politics. Uh, yesterday, I was out picking up. You know, we're we're really excited to be hanging out with a lot of our Patreon supporters mm-hmm. coming up on election night. We're hosting our Real Talk uh, Election Night VIP Ooh, viewing gonna party, and we're going to be letting our Patreon supporters. We got a whole bunch of entries. Ten of you are going to have your golden tickets drawn, and you'll be notified today. Uh, whether or not you're in on election night, but I was out picking up, you know, some of the stuff for the party, mm-hmm. and I was pretty proud of myself. I was able to find orange and blue plates and napkins <laughs> and the cashier. And who's gonna pick up which?
0: Well, who's gonna know? pick up which? And this
1: is gonna be so much fun. And I got lots and lots of both. Yeah. So, you know, because I guarantee the party's not gonna be all orange plates and it's mm-hmm. not gonna be all blue plates, but the uh the cashier at the till, she she says to me, she looks kind of confused. Used, the way that the playoffs played out. And she goes, The play. She goes, Oilers party. <laughs> and I go, No, I go, Election night party. And she goes, I don't even know who's running. And I just said, Must be nice.
3: So maybe, maybe, maybe there is a like we just showed that graph. I think it's like 12 to 15 percent they say are undecided. That seems huge to me. Like it's, it's, yeah, like the, one in 10 at least. That seems off the chart. But maybe there are, maybe there are a few percentage there who are like, I don't give a damn,
1: you yeah. know? Yeah, hard to imagine if somebody in your circle is one of those folks you can always share with them uh, one of the Real Talk segments, whether it's a roundtable... I mean, Friday's was obviously awesome. Today's show, I think, has been pretty good with the trio that's joined us. You could, We appreciate whenever you share our content and let people around you, people whose opinions you trust, people you care about, know about what we're doing right here at Real Talk. We're also so grateful for our sponsors, and that includes the family-owned business at Grand Dog Essentials, quality raw food for the entire month of May. So you have like one week-ish left uh, their Doggy Moggy Chicken Veggie Raw Dog Food Blend is on sale for just 99 bucks for a 40-pound box. It's like 16 bucks off. This blend uses whole chickens sourced from Alberta farmers and human-grade facilities. Now, why is it a big deal that they use the whole chicken? Well, that means everything, including all the organs. And that's what sets Grand Dog Essentials' raw pet food apart from the rest. The blends use as many organs as possible and that provides your dog with the most available nutrition from fresh food sources. Make sure you use the discount code MAY2023 at checkout to receive your savings. That's MAY2023 when you check out at granddog.ca. You already know it's delivered to your door in Calgary, Edmonton, and Central Alberta. And make sure you check out Adored Beast Apothecary as well. It's the latest supplement line they've added to their shop. Great for dogs and cats at granddog.ca our friends at complete care restoration know that there's nothing quite frankly as devastating as a fire they've got a lot of experience helping albertans rebuild after a blaze and the fact of the matter is right now with more than 70 wildfires still currently burning in the province of alberta Teams like Complete Care Restoration are going to be ready to go once it's safe to re-enter those communities. If you check out the small print in your uh, your insurance documents, chances are your policy allows you to choose who's going to do the work. May we recommend? enthusiastically the team at complete care restoration we've worked with their team before they're the ones that built our studio and though it wasn't fire damage or flood damage or mold or asbestos removal we've seen all we need to see from this team of professionals to give them our absolute endorsement you can find complete care restoration online at completecarerestoration.ca Moving from the indoors to the outdoors, if your spring or into the summer is going to involve an overhaul of your outdoor space, you're going to want to leave that in the capable hands of Eden Landscaping. Mike and his team custom landscape builders with more than 20 years of on-the-ground experience in Edmonton and area. It doesn't matter if you're out on an acreage, or, or maybe it's just a townhouse complex, whether it's a front yard, curb appeal you're looking to ramp up, or maybe the functionality through your backyard. Maybe you've got kids, but you love to entertain, so you want a space that can take some abuse, but also look really nice all dressed up. Mike and his team know exactly what they're doing, bringing outdoor spaces to life, working with your vision. They're great listeners. They're not designing your yard for a magazine. They're designing it for you. You can see what it looks like to work with Eden Landscaping by visiting landscapeedmonton.ca. And while we're talking about trash talk, it makes good sense to remind you that it's local environmental services that brings that to the people every single Friday right here on Real Talk. You know, some people might say it's only garbage, but not for local environmental services. They believe that communities deserve better, better service, better prices, and more support for local causes. If you're a decision maker in Edmonton an area, White Court area, or into Saskatchewan, in particular right around Regina, you're going to want to look to local environmental services for a quote on front load or roll-off bins, recycling, vacuum truck services, landfill operations. This is the team that gets it. A real human answers the phone when you call. You can request a quote today online. Make it easy at localenvironmental.ca. By the way, I noticed that somebody uh, a couple of times, different times, Doug Griffith's name popped up mm-hmm. in the chat, yes, in our live that. chat. He's the former Minister of Municipal Affairs. He, mm-hmm. he, he was at the helm uh, coming up on 10 years ago. I guess it was probably, what was it, 2013, the floods? Yeah, 10 years ago mm-hmm. when a lot of Southern and Central Alberta was underwater. And, and what a job that was. Over the weekend... Um, he, he really caused a stir. I think he, or at least made an impact by endorsing, this is a former progressive conservative cabinet minister, two NDP candidates. Wow. Uh, joining Thomas Lukaszik is another former cabinet minister who did the same. Uh, if you subscribe to our email that goes out weekly and it's easy to do, scroll to the bottom of our homepage at ryanjesperson.com. Uh, you already know this, but I wanted to let the audience know that uh, former cabinet minister Griffiths will be joining us Thursday morning Uh, to let us know what prompted him to put his neck out there like that. I would imagine that it's not without consequence. I'd imagine there's some blowback. We'll ask him when he joins us. That's coming up on Thursday's Real Talk. You know, the first episode of every week, thanks to our friends at KUBI Renewable Energy. You can get your free solar quote today at kubienergy.ca. We focus on a story that absolutely makes our day. Sometimes it makes our week. And this is one of those. We call it Positive Reflections. Check this one out. This is so very cool. The very first bee therapy retreat has just opened in Scotland. Yeah, bee therapy, like 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 the insects, like bumblebees. How cool is this? So this is a, a business owner uh, who, who went into the Monocle Moore Hotel and they got a relaxing experience in Slovenia and they wanted to make sure that their guests in the United Kingdom had a chance to relax in the same way. So Tom Lewis, who is the hotel's owner and chef, he agreed, okay? And so they decided that the idea to work in harmony with the bees to create sort of a unique experience would be just perfect. And so they've installed six beehives housing 60,000 honeybees and they're placing them Johnny in compartments underneath the wooden floor of what they call the AP pod which is nestled in this wooded glade I mean how peaceful and wonderful is that so the bees come and go freely through their own special entrance they don't pose a threat to humans you're not going to get stung in the ass while you're laying in there (laughs) but the coolest part about it is you can book like a 45 minute session inside these AP pods you can fall asleep on these sheepskin covered beds and then they're situated directly above the hives so you can feel the micro vibrations in your body and they say that there's a ton of therapeutic value with bees Uh, the the notes that they buzz in like the actual note they help out the nervous system they're even doing trials for people experiencing ptsd And so they're saying that this could be destination vacation for people that are looking for something completely different. You're de-stressed by hearing and feeling the bees go about their daily life And of course, they'll be harvesting honey for tea and toast and all that kind of stuff. We absolutely love this new initiative. I love learning about stuff like this. And I would love to hear from a real talker who made travel plans based on this positive reflection. You can send us your positive reflection to talk at RyanJesperson.com. And don't forget, you can learn more about Going green, going solar at kubienergy.ca. They're hiring right now. Brings new meaning to Air B. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're getting a raise today, John Hicks. You're getting a raise for that. That is dad joke of the month that's amazing coming up tomorrow kyle pertain's gonna join us he's a freelancer that's been doing amazing work covering the wildfires across alberta we will pick his brain doug griffiths on thursday plus how have these wildfires changed the election campaign alberta green party leader jordan wilkie will join us and on friday we're gonna get you set for election day with kind of a well A fact check voter intention clear the smoke and basically focus on what matters roundtable i'll look to johnny for a more catchy name on that make it a great tuesday friends and thanks for being such a good friend of real talk
0: real talk is hosted by ryan jesperson executive producer josh dunford Technical Producer John Hicks. General Manager Katie Cook Chivers. Account Coordinator Lawrence Derlego. Human Resources Lena Shepherd. Website Design Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Deveti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson.